0: Well, good morning. Uh, You want to try again? (laughs) Good morning. morning. I know all you guys ate all that breakfast food. You know there's narcotics in bacon and pancakes and stuff? It'll knock you right out, won't it? (laughs) So glad to get to be with you this morning. Uh, Brother John contacted me a couple of weeks ago and... uh, Asked me if I could come, and I just was so excited to be able to do that today. He, uh, he texted me this morning, and so he's praying for me, and he's praying for you, and I thanked him for that. And I promised him that we would not have any snakes involved in the service this morning. So, you can, you can be uh, resting calm about that. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. Sometimes when it's a particular known, what we would call a holiday, I've been known to in in the the last uh, 30 plus years to maybe not have a message that was connected with it. But today uh, we are. Here we are at Father's Day. And I, I think it's so important that we focus. If for no other amount of time this morning that we would focus... On the men that are in our lives and that have been in our lives. That are good men and godly men. And the blessing that they've been to us. And I'm going to focus on one particular man in scripture here. That I'm calling a man who knew what it was like to walk in a covenant relationship with God. If you're like me, you know that the... uh, the news media tends to paint a negative picture a lot of times about men and manhood and fatherhood and what have you, but I'm telling you, uh, it, it's, it's a tremendously high blessing that God puts, like I said, good godly men in people's lives. And, and I'll tell you, if you've had one of those in your life, whether it was a A dad or a grandfather or husband or uncle or maybe you weren't even related to him there was a man early in my life when my dad was not really walking with the Lord God put another man in my life that was just uh well I tell you he was the first man I ever saw every night at a particular time he and his wife would get their Bibles out and they would read their Bibles every night first people I ever saw do that and I'll tell you that impacted my life and so Uh, I want to focus this morning on that. Now, this is going to be somewhat directed to men, but ladies, you're not exempt because these principles are going to apply to all of us. When you're talking about walking in a covenant relationship with God and what that looks like, here we have in Scripture, are you there in Genesis chapter 22? You do not have a handout this morning. You're going to have to write your own notes. We're going to look at three aspects of this guy But I want you to think about this man. Let me give you just a little bit of background on him before I get to chapter 22. In chapter 12 of Genesis, this man is called Abram. And God speaks to him and reaches out to his life. And I'll tell you what encourages me greatly is, it tells us in that chapter that he was 75 years old. When God started really working in this man's life. Anybody over 50 say amen? <laughs> I'm telling you, that, that really excites me. I'm 63, be 64 this year, and I'm thinking, here's a man 75 years old, and God still has real purpose and real plan for him, and God calls out to him. He says, Abram, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your country. And I want you to go to a place that when you get there, I'll tell you you're there. Now, i tell you what, a covenant walk with God is always a walk of faith. I want you to think about what what God is asking of this man here. He says, "I I want you to leave everything that's familiar, and I want you to head out now, I, you know what we would be? Y'all, come on, lighten up a little bit. Smile. This is happy stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I want you to think about what it would be like. If, if, you get, if you got God, God spoke to you and, and, and gave you this, this direction, what would we ask him first? Where am I going? Well, I'll show you when you get there. How am I going to know when I get there? I'll tell you, you're there. And so what does he do? He just has to get his family he has to leave his familiar place. He has to leave his countryside. He just heads out. I mean, God doesn't even tell him what direction to go. And he just heads out. And, and we know as this narrative goes along here that he reaches the place and God tells him, God says, you're here. And so he's, he's a man who trusts God. He's a man who, who puts his faith in God. He's a man that even... In his life, he enters into what the Bible calls a covenant with God. That's a, that is a Bible word, but you know it's a good word for us to think about today because entering into a covenant, maybe one of the best earthly examples we have of that is marriage. You know marriage for believers is a covenant. It's a covenant between each other, yes, but it's also a covenant with God that you are coming together and that you're going to serve the Lord together and you're going to stay together under his blessing. And so covenant's a good word even for today. But in in chapter 15, God said, here's the covenant I'm making with you. It says that he took him outside and he said, look at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. And then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous and the bible says and abram believed god and god counted it as righteousness to him this is why he is called the father of our faith for this reason y'all know that y'all know that we are made right with god because we put faith in god's covenant with us it's not by works it's all by faith It's because God, through His grace and His mercy and His love, He provides all of that that we need. But what must we do? We must trust in that that God has already done for us. We must put our faith in that and then live that out faithfully. So he believes God. And he's made righteous because of that. I want you to think about what God is saying here. Why would that be so hard to believe? Because he and his wife at that point, have not had child one yet. Sarai is still her name here. She's childless. Has God ever made a promise to you that sounded somewhat unreasonable? Here he is, he has no children, he has no offspring, and God takes him outside and says, Look up at the stars in the sky. And count them if you can, he says... That's the way your offspring's going to be, like the stars in the sky. In other place, he says, like the sands in the sea. In other words, there's going to be such a multitude, it's un- unthinkable. And he hasn't had this first child yet. In chapter seventeen, this is where the real, the the real, uh, the token of covenant that God puts between him and. And Abram, this is where he gets his name changed. Now, he's not 75 any longer. He's 99 years old now. And God says this He says, I'm God Almighty. Live in my presence and be devout. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. And it says, Abram fell to the ground and God spoke to him. And God says this, God says, okay, from this day forward, your name is no longer going to be Abram. Abram means something like an exalted father, and he is that. And God says, I'm changing your name to Abraham. You know what Abraham means? It means father of a multitude. Just as a side note, let me tell you, that whatever, whatever God says you are, or whatever God calls you, that's what you are. Irregardless of the circumstances, irregardless of what's happened or has not happened, when God said to this man, you're no longer just an exalted father, you are the father of a multitude, he could take that to the bank, couldn't he, as we like to say? He could know absolutely 100% for sure that that multitude that God has promised, guess what? It's on the way. I know he's 99 years old. I know his wife, she's at that point where the Bible says, she's past that time. It's, it is the physiological impossibility between these two, between this husband and wife, for them to have offspring. But God said, didn't he? Come on, somebody need that this morning, I think. God say, If God says, will it happen? Thank you. Yes, it will. If God says it, you know, we used to hear, I used to have a first church where I pastored, had this old, old rough uh, uh, deacon there, and he, he raised cattle and stuff, and he was just kind of a rough guy, lived over there in, in Perry County. And he used to make this statement. He says, God settles it, God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And I said, one day I said, you can leave that middle part out. Because it doesn't matter whether we believe it or not. If God says it, then that settles it. Well, here we have this man and God says, I'm, I'm, I'm entering into this covenant relationship with you. This is where God causes him to, to be circumcised and all those with him to also be circumcised so, so that there would be this token of it. And, and he changes the name and he also changes his wife's name. Now, I don't know why he did this. He changes her name from Sarai to Sarah. And Sarah means princess. So it makes me wonder, what was she like before that? You know? But now she's a princess. So she's a sweetie. She's a princess. And so here we have these two. We have this very, very old couple. Anybody in here 99 years old or older? Okay, nobody here. Go, uh, uh, let me go over to chapter 22 with you. I want, I want you to hear three things out of this. And, and men particularly, but ladies, like I said, you're not exempt in this. If you're going to be walking in a covenant relationship with God, out of, out of this man's narrative, there's three things that it tells us that we must do and be doing in this life if we're going to walk in that kind of covenant relationship with Him. Are you there in chapter 22? It says in verse one, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Now you know how old this guy is by this time? He's way past a hundred years old. Some think, I don't know how you could get it exactly, but some think he might be Around 125 years old at this point. Here he is, 125 years old. Guess what has already happened in the chapter before? That promised son was born. Isaac was born. So they have, they have that one is going to be the progenitor of all this offspring that God has promised, like stars in the sky and sand in the sea. And God calls this man's name, and notice what he does. God just says, Abraham, and Abraham says, Here I am. You know what that tells me? This is clue number one about living in a covenant relationship with God. It tells me this man is listening for God. He's listening for him and to him. How do I know? Because all God had to say was what? All God had to do was call this guy's name and just like that, Abraham, here I am. I mean, I know he's, he's way over 100 years old, but notice, he is there, he is paying attention, he's listening, and he's just like, God, whatever. He's, he's kind of like living on the edge of things. He's just waiting for God to speak, for God to say, okay, here's what, you want, what I want you to do next. And that's exactly what God does. He says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, I'll tell you about sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? A journey, not really knowing where this journey's going to take you. You know, to me, and, and I am thankful i've got to I've got to live as a born-again believer now for several years. <laughs> 40, wow, when I was 19 years old, I'm 63, 44 years. And I think I've come to understand what I'm talking about with Abraham here. Do you know that life with God is a journey? It's a journey of a lot of steps. It's a journey of a lot of things taking place it's a journey of the need for us to not only just initially put our faith in him but to live out that faith every day you know the bible says that every day is a a new thing to god we have you remember what it says with every day there are new mercies for that day you know the bible tells us that When it when Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount to not be worried, not be anxious about anything like that, he tells he says he says don't worry about tomorrow. You remember why? Because tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. So what have we got to do? We've got to live out each day that He gives us, but live it out in faith, walking with our God, trusting in Him. And so here we have Abraham. God's what's God asking of him? This is God's covenant-promised child to them, isn't it? And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take him up to the land of Moriah up in the mountains. I'll show you where I want you to go. I'll let you know when you're there. And I want you to offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. You know, a lot of people struggle with this passage. because, And, and, and I'll grant you, I, in some ways I kind of do too because I'm thinking this initial thing that God says Doesn't really sound like God, does it? He's wanting him to offer his son as a sacrifice. But it says, look at verse 3. It says, so early in the morning Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac, and he split wood for a burnt offering and sent out to go to the place God had told him about. And on the third day Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. They've been traveling three days. Here you are. Can you put yourself there? Here you are. You're way over 100 years old. You've got the promised son with you. He's a young man now, and the reason I know that is because he's, he's, he's strong enough to carry the load of this wood, and they've been, walking. they've been walking in the mountains for three days. Can you imagine how much this dad has thought about that? It's a journey, living with the Lord. And it says, so, so then Abraham said to the young man, he said, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. And then we'll come back to you. There is, there is a, if, if you've got to be really listening There, there's a huge statement of faith right there, isn't it? Abraham has come to know God. He's been, he's been under this covenant for maybe some 50 plus years now. Started when he's 75 years old. And here's a man who has walked with God. He has not walked perfectly, if you know all of his story. But he has walked seeking to be faithful to God and living in God's promise and His blessing and and living in that covenant relationship. And, And here's a guy that I think at this point, the reason he says that is because he knows God's character. He knows how God he is. And so he tells tells those two other guys that went with him, he says, me and the boy, we're going to go over here to worship. He says, and we'll come back to you. What's he banking on? He's banking on God being God. He knows him. So, it says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them... Walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, My father. And you know how Abraham responds? You remember when God talked to him during in the early verses of this chapter? God says, Abraham, what would he do? Here I am. And here, Isaac, here they are in this journey. Here they are in this. It had to be the heaviest of situations for him, and his son calls out his name, and how does he reply? It says, He replied, Here I am. Not only is this man a man that is listening to God and, and, and for God, but here's a man that, this is number two, if you're writing them, this is number two. First was listening. The number two is, Here's a man who is always available. For whatever God's purpose means for His life, He's listening and He's available. You know, God could use can use folks like that if you'll be listening for His voice, listening for His direction. And then, you know, you've got there's got to be this other this, this other component in this relationship to where what you you've made yourself available to Him. You know, God will do some amazing things in your life if you'll just make yourself available to him. A lot of times, that's all the criteria that you have to have for, for you to get to really experience God in your life. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Several years ago, I had, uh, y'all m- know my last name is Kosurik, K-O-C-O-U-R-E-K. It, it's strange looking and sounding for a reason. It's a It's a Czech name, Czechoslovakian. That's where my my people came from 1895. Came to this country. Well, when I was pastoring a church down around Sheridan, I'd, I'd just been—it'd been on my heart. I'd been been praying and, and asking the Lord if there was be any way that I could ever go over to that country, where my people came from, and in some way do some ministry over there. And so I've been praying about it for a good while. And this guy called me from the Arkansas Baptist Convention. I'd never met him before this time, and he he called me. And said I'd like to talk with you. I said okay. So we met, and he says. He says, We've got this trip and it's 12 days and it's going to be connected with this International Baptist Church in Budapest Hungary. And he says, I just want to see if you if you would consider to 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 go on this trip. And I immediately I said, Yes. He said, No, 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 I mean, I mean, you can you can take some time and you can pray about that. And I said, No, sir, no, you don't understand. I've already prayed about this. And here's the opportunity. And so, I found out later. You know, you know how this works sometimes out in humanity. There had been a lot of people before me asked if they'd go. And I, I found out later, thankfully later. I was, I was like his last guy to ask. And so everything clicked. The church raised money for my ticket, and and I went. And we were doing this trip with a congregation that's called International Baptist Church, but it was a congregation of any time they gathered together, there would be some 20 or more countries represented in this place. But they all chose to speak English, and so the service was all in English. Anyway, we went through all this, and it, God just, just just did some amazing things throughout the course of this thing and all this. And I remember when I came back, they had me go to a big meeting, and there was, there was a lot of folks that uh, were a lot more well-known than me, for sure. You know, I'm just I'm just no country boy, dirt-clawed preacher, and that's all I am. And they, they had me come to this place, and they wanted me to share about this, this trip and, and one of the guys come up and, and kind of asked me this question beforehand. He said, uh, "He said, how, did, how did you get to go? You know, and, you know, you know when somebody stretches the you out, how did you get to go? I said, brother, all I know is God wanted me to go, and I did. Available. Sometimes. Sometimes you can be the most unknown person on the face of the earth to people. You can be the most uneducated. You can be the least equipped as far as how mankind sees you equipped. But if you're available to God, <laughs> that's, that's really all it takes for Him. is You're listening and you're available. And when God says, go, and you say, Yes, sir. And you go. That's really, really all it takes. His son Isaac said, "The fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering?" And A- A- Abraham answered him, "Look, notice this covenant relationship walk of faith." Abraham said, "God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son." Then the two of them walked on together. And here's where this story gets so, so powerful. Because this third thing comes into play. He's listening and he's available. But this man is also willing, he's willing to do whatever God requests. Whether it makes sense to him or not, whether it's logical or not, he's willing to trust God and willing to do. And it says in verse 9 that when they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood, and he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. You know what, when I read this, I know, I know something else. There's a measure of this man's faith that's been handed down. You might be thinking, how do you know that? Because here we have a young man that's strong enough to carry a load of wood up through the mountain for three days. And they get to this place. And he so he so trusts his father's God because he's seen his father's father just his God but this young man allows his dad to tie him up put him on the altar that he's made and lay there it said he, he bound his son Isaac placed him on the altar on top of the wood and then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son get that image in your mind He's got, <laughs> you know, we use this phrase sometimes. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what God had asked Abraham to, quote, put on the altar. This is the fulfillment of the promise, Isaac is. He's the, he's the promised son. He's the one out of whom is going to come all these descendants like the stars in the sky and like the seas and the sand, the sand and the sea. And and here is this one, and it just looks like it's going to end right here, doesn't it? I mean, he's, he's down to this point to where he's got that promised son tied up on the altar, and he's grabbed the knife, and the knife is raised. And what happens? An angel of the Lord says, Abraham, and you know what he said the third time? Here I am. I don't know, I, I, I have such a, I, I've tried to in my mind imagine this man's heart. And, and here he is, he's, he's, right, he's just a, a second or two away from taking the life of his promised son. And, and he, is, he is trusting God so completely, and he's at this point. But do you notice, he never stops listening. He never stops being available. He never stops being willing. And when the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. And then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Guys, is there something in your life that the Lord has dealt with you about? That he's asked you to lay on the altar in some way. Is there something that is so special and so precious, so unique? He's asked, would you you put this on the altar for me? I want you to notice what happened here. Yeah, Abraham put his promised son Isaac on the altar. But I want you to notice what God did. God gave him back to him. Because in this man's mind, it was as good as done. And the promise was over. And what are we going to do now? How can it turn out that way? Because living in a covenant relationship with God is just like living like Abraham did. He was always listening to and for God, he made himself always available. To God's purpose for his life. And he was always willing. Always willing. To do as exactly as God had said. You know it's interesting. That last statement in this passage. In verse 14. When he named that place. Jehovah Jireh the Lord will provide. It says and so it is said. So today it is said. It will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Now, I've read this by by men that are way smarter than me, scholars who've studied these things out and done all the homework. And there's many that say this. Y'all remember the place that we call Calvary? That hill called the skull, the place of death where one day some 2,000 years ago it it was the place where you and I should have been but it was a place where God was Jehovah Jireh again the Lord provided. The Lord provided a substitute for you and me. He sent His only begotten Son. That means His one and only, His unique, His special Son. God sent His His promised son, his covenant son, God sent him to be the substitute for you and I. And these scholars say that that very place where Christ gave up his life on the cross is this same hill where Abraham was going to offer up Isaac. So that makes that last statement really powerful, doesn't it? It will be provided on the Lord's mountain. God has done that. He has provided for you and I what we need. He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross for us, to pay the price. You know, Jesus' last statement of the seven statements while He's hanging on the cross is, I think about this so often, daily. Jesus, before He gave up His Spirit, Jesus said, It is. Is finished. And, and, and I've said it sometimes. And people say it what? And I say it everything. Everything that we needed done for us. That we could not do for ourselves. He did for us there on the cross. Our substitute. He paid the price that we could never pay. Here is the sinless. Spotless Lamb of God, taking my place in your place. What must we do to see the benefits of that come to our lives? You know, everybody, everybody, almost everybody in the world knows John three sixteen. See it in football games and all kinds of places. You know, it's it's just out there. And even most people who who don't profess to be a believer, they know. What that verse says. They know that here's the way that God loved this world. I shared this with the ladies in prison just Thursday. That word world there is a word, it's it, it's a word that means like this. It means everybody that's ever been born and everybody that ever will be born, and the sum total of all those. So that means you and me are in that. Because everybody is. God God so loved us in that way that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever would put their faith in that, would believe in Him. We don't focus on this much, but it's due to focus on. He said, We would not perish, but we'll have everlasting life. What does it require? Same thing that Abraham did. He put his faith in what God had said. He entered into covenant relationship with God. He lived out that covenant relationship day by day by day. Here's an old man at 75 that enters into this with God and he lives the next 50-something years all through this and comes to one of the, one of the most crucial places and one of the most trying times even later on in his life there and he's still, he's, he's this man that's listening for God and being available to God and, and, and being willing to God. And he gets to experience God in a way that nobody else does up to that point. But you know what? You and I can today. I was 19 years old as a country farm boy living in an old farmhouse by myself. Lost as could be. Living a lost life as a teenager. Church people would give up on me. But you know what God had not? And God came to me there real early in the morning one Saturday morning. I don't mean I heard audible voice, but I mean in my heart I heard his voice. And just a simple statement. He said, I love you and I want you. You know what it requires right there? Is to put faith in that. I want you to put faith in that today if you have not ever. Put faith in this, that God loves you. It does not matter what you've done. Man, all you got to do is read the Bible and you'll see there's some pretty rascally folks in there that God (laughs) shows his love by how he's worked in their lives and saved them and used them. Doesn't matter. He loves you and he wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you that's real and personal. Covenant relationship. Brother, I'm going to ask you if you would come. We're going to have a hymn of invitation today. Brother James is going to come here to the front to, uh, to help you in any way that you need to be helped. If you've heard the good news today and you've just really heard it for the first time, maybe you've been in church all your life, like I was. I was raised in church. I'd been in Sunday school every Sunday. I'd been in church every... Every Sunday, I, I'd heard it all, but, you know, there comes a point in time when you hear it in your heart. And if you've heard it in your heart this morning, you're like, man, that sounds so awesome. I would, I would like to live like that. Let me tell you, you can. All you got to do is just like Abraham, put your faith, put your faith in what God has said. Trust Him. So I encourage you to do that today if that's, if that's your need. But I want to also encourage you men. Like I said, our society, our culture seems to be somewhat down on men. If you watch the the media, the news programs and stuff. I'm going to tell you right now. God, God has such special purpose for men, godly men. Men that will trust Him. Men that will believe Him. If there's something in those three things that you need to commit to this morning. That, you, that you'll be listening for God and you'll make your life available to Him and you'll be willing to do whatever it is He wants you to do. I want to encourage you to use these altars this morning to come and make that commitment to Him. So why don't you all stand as we have this hymn of invitation this morning. And again, I just want to encourage you. You're among friends today and, and we, if you're needing to, to make some sort of move today, please, Know that we'll be we'll be as excited as anybody can be for you to have God working in your life. Thank you.